As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learned something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Ridiculous News is a production of iHeartRadio and Cool 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 Audio. With amazing and crazy topics to pick and to choose, you are now tuned in to Ridiculous News. With interesting views on breaking the rules of broadcasting and all sorts of wild reports to keep us laughing. With funny, off-brand, upbeat journalism, the strange and unusual stories of what we give them. When it's all about ridiculous news everywhere, we talking about ridiculous news over here. Hey everyone, welcome to Ridiculous News, not your average news show. We cover stuff you didn't realize was news, from the wild and funny, to the deep and hidden, to the absolutely ridiculous. Hey y'all, I'm Bill Worley. I'm an Atlanta-based filmmaker. I'm a comedian, and my dog Susan has decided she's less terrified of cars than normal, and that's been making our walks even more delightful. Screw you, Rob Four. Thank you, Susan. <laughs> uh, uh, hey everyone, I'm Mark. I'm an Atlanta-based comedian, and you know I'm feeling fancy today. Uh, Bill, because I had mm. avocado toast for breakfast. That is fancy. Yeah, I you. think so. I think Super so. Fancy. And uh, so, hey, everyone, today is a weekly roundup episode, and we're going to be discussing headlines that caught our eye recently. And Bill, you know what makes today extra special? What's that? We have the incredible guest, actor and comedian, uh, Freddie Boyd. Y'all, welcome, Freddie. Yeah. So happy to, we're so happy to have you here. Hey. Hello. What's going on? Yo, it's great to see you. Uh, it's, it's great to be yeah. here. It's great to be seen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Freddie, what we do with all of our guests, what we love to do, is we kick things off with a segment called Giving Them Their Flowers. So this is just a moment where we give you a compliment. All right? So, uh, Freddie, uh, what, uh, there's, there's so many things that I really enjoy about you, but uh, I learned a great lesson from you. So I was actually coaching you on an improv team, and this was years ago, and I forget exactly how you phrased it, so I'm sorry for quoting things back to you a little different, but you said, it takes so much more energy to be mean to someone than just to be kind to someone. And this is before I knew you really well and saw that you live your life like that all the time, but I'm like, oh my gosh, this man is right. This talented young man is so right. And I've stuck with that has stuck with me uh, for a really long time. And so I appreciate you sharing that with me. And I feel like you embody that in the way that you interact with others. And I appreciate you. Oh, thank you so much. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. For those of you that don't know, uh, Mark Kendall was my first improv coach. And so, true, you know, if I'm good at improv, it's his, it's his doing. If I'm bad at it, no, no. Mm-hmm. Only, no. <laughs> I'll leave that up to you too. So, yeah. Uh, well, to piggyback off of that, Freddie, you're just an amazing uh, actor, amazing performer. You know, I've had the amazing opportunity to uh, work with you on on multiple things, including in, in sketches. And you always bring such a great energy, not only in on screen but to set and. Uh, I've had the opportunity to share the stage on you. I remember specifically because I wouldn't do as many Richard Kickers, but I did Richard Kickers, which is an improv show here in Atlanta years ago. And I think Mark Kendall was in the audience because oh, he was dude, laughing. I remember the laugh. <laughs> but I just had so much fun with you, Freddie, in that show. And anytime I see you, it just puts a smile on my face. So that includes this moment here. Thank you so much for coming in and guesting with us. 
Oh, I really appreciate that, Bill. Uh, for people that don't know, uh, Bill Worley was my first improv coach. So, well, let's jump in some ridiculous news nibbles. So, uh, to start things off, we'll be talking about a couple of quick, ridiculous stories. And first off, Mark, we have this uh, story about. Uh, an amazing actor who changed uh, TV and film. Yes, yeah, so Nichelle Nichols, uh, the trailblazing Star Trek actress, uh, passed away recently. Uh, she was 89 years old. Uh, and like I just said, you know, she was on the iconic uh, television series Star Trek. Um, she was Lieutenant Uhura on the show. And, you know, it was wild, you know, because she uh, was a black woman with a notable role on a primetime television series. And, you know, up to that point, you know, there weren't a lot of African women on TV generally, um, didn't often have prominent roles in the television shows. And what was uh, really unique about her role was that it was an integral part of the Star Trek crew. And actually, uh, the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. had a quote calling uh, her role the first non-stereotypical role portrayed by a black woman in television history. In addition to that, uh, Nichols is widely known for participating in one of the first interracial kisses on U.S. television when her character kissed uh, Captain Kirk, who was played by white Canadian actor William Shatner. And then in an interview with CNN in 2014, Nichols said uh, the kiss scene changed television forever, and it also changed the way people looked at one another. And Stacey Abrams, uh, the Democratic nominee, for the governor position of governor in Georgia. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, uh, Stacey posted a tribute to the actress saying, Godspeed to Nichelle Nichols, champion, warrior, and tremendous actor. Uh, She went on to say, her kindness and bravery lit the path for many. May she forever dwell among the stars. So rest in power to Nichelle Nichols. Yeah, what an amazing uh, actor. And just was always so much fun to watch. I grew up watching, I don't know about y'all, but I grew up watching Star Trek and the next generation and then was exposed to some of the earlier stuff. And she was always just such a powerful character on screen anytime she was on screen. And um, I remember she, as like a little kid, this is, this is so much, as a little kid, there's this scene in, in Star Trek, I think it's six, The Undiscovered Country, the movie, and she's doing this like sexy dance and silhouette. And it's supposed to like, it, it does a good job uh, distracting all the aliens so a Captain Kirk can escape this prison on this ice world. But I remember as a kid watching that and being like, ooh, look at those, those moves. What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> it's like stuff. So, uh, you know, she was just such a, a big time uh, part of our changing TV. And it's, we'll miss her, but I know we'll see her again soon. Yeah, definitely. I mean, what a legacy to leave. And like, I I was never a big uh, Trekkie, but I watch a lot of Futurama and mm. uh, on the uh, Star Trek episodes they have. Uh, she, <laughs> she was always featured. And I, I think, I love how she, like, not only was a pioneer, but like uh, owned her pioneer status, and like she makes references to it in the show, and like, <laughs> like you know, in fun just of working with uh, William Shatner and stuff like that. And oh yeah, which like, she does know, she like make fun of working with Shatner or something like that? Yeah, just a little. Like you know, they all like <laughs> he's on it too, so he's, oh, okay, he's a okay. part of it. But like you know, they make they make fun of his cadence and stuff like that, <laughs> and just like. Oh, well, working with Bill. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they all make little comments on that. But it's, yeah, it's it's really uh, cool, especially on that kind of show, like, to have that kind of representation and from such a powerful actor. Yeah. uh Yeah. Bill Bill Shatner was who Freddie was referencing, not this Bill. Uh, uh, Good old, old, yeah. Working with this Bill. (laughs) It's not my cadence that he (laughs) is talking about. Uh, Well, this next story is one that affects us, you know, and and it's it's gone nationwide, which is crazy. So here in Atlanta, we have a have had a yearly festival running since I believe the '90s um, called Music Midtown, and it's it's a big festival in Atlanta and happens downtown and was actually scheduled for September 17th and 18th, so just next month. And uh, My Chemical Romance, Future, Jack White, Fall Out Boy were the headliners. And it's been called off because 
of recent changes to Georgia gun laws, um, this supposedly because of recent changes to Georgia gun laws that prevent the festival from banning guns onto the publicly owned festival grounds, which is just mind-blowing and really scary um, as someone who loves festivals and music. And um, I just hope that this is not the canary in the coal mine for all these other fest. I mean, I think it is. Uh, but I hope it doesn't lead to, you know, more cancellations of festivals and things like that. I mean, how do you guys feel about this when you heard this news? Uh, I guess I was confused. Yeah, Freddie, what, what, what about you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I, I just heard about it, like, actually, before we started recording. And oh, okay. Yeah. It was really weird. I, I, saw, I, I saw an Instagram post about it, but one of the slides was um, someone saying, oh, it was me like i'm the one who brought it to the festival's attention because it, it was a, a gun owner that was like basically from what i gathered from it and I, I could be wrong but they they just like brought it to their attention like you can't ban me from bringing my gun to the festival and like just talking about like hey this festival has to uh follow the laws like we all do and it was just it was it was a weird kind of like and it was like no one has to worry because I wasn't going to the festival anyway, but I just brought it to their attention. So, like, it was kind of like a whistleblower, but not the in the cool way. Is this, can, we, can we all, like, is this the one guy that deserves to be, like, get a wedgie in high school and have all the bad things? I mean, because, like, what? But That's... he has a gun. So, <laughs> I mean, That's maybe true. not. I, 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 like, I, can't I don't think many people deserve a wedgie. Maybe, probably the this person does, but he has a gun. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, not if I bring <laughs> my gun. What if I got a bigger gun? <laughs> yeah. No, like I, I was confused because I was just like, the, when I first heard about it, I was just like, I just heard that it was canceled and I didn't know so much about the law. And I was just like, oh, well, what led to it being canceled? And the article that we're referencing, uh, it goes on to say the law officially known as the Safe Carry Protection Act uh, expanded Georgia's already permissive gun statutes to grant residents the right to, you know, bring guns into bars, churches, schools, and other private businesses with owner's permission. But it also expanded gun carry rights on publicly owned land like the city-owned Piedmont Park, um, although there was no legal consensus on whether or not the law applied to private events on city property like Midtown Music. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's... Yeah, I, I wonder, like, because it's still like, like you said, a private event, and I feel like you're allowed to say, like, you can't. Well, I guess you can't be naked in on public grounds either. Have you tried like, being naked know. on like, public grounds, Freddie? Would you, if yeah, you had the opportunity? That's how I know. <laughs> that's, that's the only. That's the only reason why I know. <laughs> you know, I. Um, yeah, so I guess. Yeah, that's just wild, and it's wild that it could cancel a whole festival. Right, like it. It, it is like, it's powerful. And, you know, you'd like to think it would make Georgia rethink the things that they did. Right. Well, and, you know, part of the reason is that they couldn't really work around is, you know, a lot of these artists have writers that say, you know, you can't allow weapons or guns into the festival because certainly they're concerned for their safety. And I would hope equally concerned for their fan safety, but also their own safety. Yeah. You know, if there's some crazy, how many stories have there been? You know, anything about George Harrison or John Lennon or, you know, people beyond the Beatles <laughs> that have been yeah. assassinated <laughs> essentially yeah. uh, by crazed fans who wanted to be famous or whatever uh, thing was going on in their brain. And, you know, I hope that it seems like a workaround for this might be, and Freddie, you were talking about this with, with public property. That's a private event. Now the botanical gardens, as, as a guy sued the botanical gardens, um, basically the same Philip Evans was a guy who sued the botanical gardens to try and get the right to bring guns into the gardens. Cause you guys know when you go to the botanical gardens, there's <laughs> nothing like, you know, taking out some butterflies with an AR 15. Oh, I mean, those, the Alice in Wonderland pictures are terrifying. And if you don't come protected, I don't know if you want to come at all. Exactly. And, and so the only reason they got uh, 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 out of it is because they have it a long-term lease that's on public property that, uh, 
kind of created a loophole where they could claim it was private because they had like a 40-year lease where these short events that are like two to three days can't claim that. So essentially, you know, with Shaking Ease, which is another big festival in Atlanta or some other festivals, it, it seems like what might be the only option is either the law's got to change or they have to find private property to hold these massive events, which is, of course, hard to do and, you know, very there's not a lot of more expensive and exactly like and it's like music midtown is always i mean i don't know about always always Mm -hmm. but like as long as i can remember it's been in piedmont park which is so it's kind of taking yeah a part of atlanta out of atlanta and it's a central place that's you know fairly easy as easy as in atlanta to get to y'all can get to it you know if you're having it at some farm out in you know bumbleware um, it's gonna as long as you plan out two to three days to drive around for parking, <laughs> yeah. you can. It's it's central and it's easy to get yeah. to. I mean, anytime I want to go play volleyball with my friends at Piedmont Park, I just plan a couple days ahead, <laughs> start circling, make sure I'm full up on gas, <laughs> because Piedmont Park is really easy to park at if you plan a few days ahead. You got seventy two hours. Just that's all you need. Yeah, yeah. that's all you yeah. need. Y'all, laws are something else. And it kind of reminds me of this next story that we're going to talk about, which comes from Tech Times. And the headline is, ghosting uh, should be a criminal offense, according to a Filipino lawmaker. So a Filipino lawmaker is taking ghosting to extremes since he believes anyone who ghosts should be held criminally liable. Uh, So this was first reported by Engadget. And the document defines ghosting as something that occurs when a person is... Uh, quote, engaged in a dating relationship. And it goes on to define a dating relationship as one in which the parties live together without getting married or are, quote, romantically involved over time and on a continuing basis, right? Uh, So that's what's kind of being brought uh, in this case, I suppose. And House of Representatives member uh, Arnaldo Tedes Jr. described ghosting as a, quote, form of emotional cruelty and should be punished as an emotional offense. And Tevis cited research showing that experiencing social rejection triggers the same neurological pathways as experiencing physical pain. And in his view, ghosting is a sort of spite that generates sentiments of rejection and neglect, and he asserted that the emotional cost uh, could affect productivity. Uh, the Washington Post claims that there is low probability of the proposed legislation being passed into law. I think where this kind of hits me or, or, or where I think it's relevant here is like, Freddie, you would be in so much trouble, I think, if, if this <laughs> law passed. I mean, think about the amount of time you would have to spend. I mean, I, I, yeah, the amount of people, I, I, I do have to, uh, um, I do have to come clean. I am recording this from a, a federal business. <laughs> uh, I guess I got grandfathered in. <laughs> no, I mean, I think ghosting is really sad and like can be hurt. I, I've been ghosted before. Yeah, and me I, too. I don't know if I've felt it as hard as like other people have felt it. But like even then, like it, it wasn't the worst thing in the world that's ever happened to me, right. but it wasn't, it didn't feel good. And like, I, I, I'm certain that I've ghosted people before right. where I justified it in my mind as not ghosting. Right. But like, I don't know. There are levels to it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's like if someone, like, if you're living together with someone, and you don't, that yeah, that's <laughs> and I think just no contact them. That's that's a intense. Very different scenario than a couple of dates and then just stopping. Right, and in but, my I mean, in my mind, that's I, your second definition, Freddie, is how I think of ghosting. Is like this guy, the way he describes it is a little different than how I describe it. Like to me, ghosting is like you know you schedule a date or you know like you said the second day or someone doesn't show up or, or whatever. And at the end of the day, that's probably a good thing because why would you want to go on a date with someone who doesn't want to go on a date with you? Right? That's just not you know. And likewise, if you're living with someone and they disappear, well, maybe that's not the best partner <laughs> for you anyway. Way, sure, it's going to cause some emotional pain, but why would you want to continue to live with someone who wants to leave and never talk to you again? And also, how does that work? Do you show up and like half of the things are gone and missing? I mean, it's like what? Or like they just leave it. That's just part of playing the game, and they just leave that behind. <laughs> That's the, the part that you have to get new silverware. 
<laughs> the new part of it goes, you grab your go bag and you're out. Everything else stays with the person that kept the apartment. Um, I, I was trying to look this up, but there's, a, a, I guess, a lot of movies named uh, Ghosted. <laughs> but I wa- uh, last, last year I watched a film, uh, a romantic comedy film called Ghosted where I wonder how this would be handled legally, where um, a woman, you know, was unluckily in love. And her, of course, her uh, best friend was like, you need to put yourself out there. You need to put yourself out there. She goes on this wonderful date with this gentleman. And then she's uh, she had a great date and she was texting him back on the ride home. And it's not clear whether it's her fault or not. But then she gets... Um, uh, in a car accident she gets hit by a car it gets t-boned by a car and she passes away but her ghost comes back uh and (laughs) her best friend and this person she went on a date with are the only people that can see her and they have to convince other people that oh yeah she's a ghost and um i don't want to spoil it for anybody who wants to watch this I, spectacular I film i want to watch it so bad. this is a good pitch this yeah is this a decent, is, decent i'm sorry pitch. if i did that it's it, oh no <laughs> it's enjoyable cinema i'm uh, watching it uh, artists worked on this and so like i i will never say oh this is a, a terrible movie but it's uh it's a movie that exists and you know i think lawmakers should use that to set you know legal precedents if they're going to because there are many types of ghosting one of which where you actually do become a ghost and who should be held liable in that scenario we're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to, like, choose a more challenging route than just, like, da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could have been, like, easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and, like, so simple? And what else was it going to... Like, that's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. With amazing and crazy topics to pick and to choose, you are now tuned in to Ridiculous News. All right, y'all. So we're back. And Bill, Freddie, I think this article's super interesting. It's from Axios. And it is about doing things that you're bad at. And I thought that it was a really great reminder about how to continue to engage with things that are unfamiliar. Uh, so the article says, we value excellence and success and productivity in our pursuits, but there's incredible merit in chasing hobbies you're not very good at. And it's important because doing hard things sharpens our minds and bodies and keeps us grounded. And, you know, in American culture, a lot of times, there's this fixation on perfectionism, and that is not always great for mental health. Uh, And that's from a Vox report. And uh, a lot of us don't pick up hobbies because we're afraid of being bad at them. I know that that's, I've definitely fallen into that category where I avoid things or, yeah. um, you know, push things off because I'm like, ah, oh, I, I hate that moment of not being good. I think a lot of times we feel like there's this pressure to start something and then not only to be great at it eventually, but to immediately be great at it. And that's from right. author Tim Wu. And he wrote that in a New York Times article. And so, anyway, I thought the article brought up some great points about why it's important to continue to move outside of your comfort zone. Yeah, I mean, and as us as improvisers, you know, every, everyone on this podcast 
is you know either improviser or coach Freddie at some point. So I think <laughs> uh, you know what what a great lesson in failing. I think that's one thing, and I've enjoyed about improv is is you have to get up there and you have to fall on your face, and you do <laughs> most of us do it a decent amount. And you know what? You don't die. You continue yeah. to live. You might your ego might get a little hurt, but I also think it strengthens it. Uh, quite a bit. I don't know about y'all. I'm thinking about, you know, I've had some terrible shows and, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, afterwards, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? A lot of times it might've been the, the person I'm in a relationship with picking up the pieces uh, a little bit of me. like, what? And then, and then, you know, the next night you go out, you have a great show and you're like, oh, this is what this is all about. Um, is that connection? And, and then you come home and half of your stuff is <laughs> and then, <laughs> it's just straight up ghosts. And their friends are showing up like, no, no, Bill, you don't understand. They're ghosts now. And you're like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, they're right here next to me. Are they? Yeah. Are they really? <laughs> well, you know, we, you gotta believe. beyond uh, like improv, I'm trying to think of some other examples. I know there's some more stuff this article do, but some other examples of like things. Cause like I, I got into meditation, not, too long ago, but during the the pandemic, especially in, you know, I think that's one of those things that's, I'm still not good at it. And a lot of meditation teachers will tell you, you never get that good at it. It's, it's something that's, it's really um, humbling to try and slow down the thoughts in your brain. But for y'all, is there anything that y'all knew hobbies or things you've tried doing and either gave up on or, or struggled with because of that perfectionism? As a as a comedian, always wanted to uh, venture into stand up and stuff, mm. and I, I've learned uh, a lot about it from <laughs> from not doing it <laughs> and watching other people do it. And um, uh, one one of the big things I've learned is like you know just sitting on something like makes it uh, not great. <laughs> like mm. I, I've, I have a lot of notes in my phone of like, oh, this would be a fun bit, blah, blah, blah. And I've learned that if you don't just go out and do it, it can kind of stagnate or you just don't get where you were coming from. Right. And I think like you were saying, Bill, about improv, like even though you know, know it intellectually, I think it's easy to forget that there was a point that you were not good at it. Right. And like maybe you had a like, a, you know, a talent at it like early, but there's no way you were as good when you started as you are now. Right. And it's, uh, I think once you get good at something, like I think people always forget that they did start something. Right. Like anything you're good at now, you started before and you probably weren't good at it. And even if you were, you're definitely not as good as you are at it now. So right. that's a good, good reminder. Oh yeah. Yeah. And Ray, I just want to say, I mean, I think you're such a talented comedian i'd be so excited whenever you chose to do stand-up and i'd be super excited to see you do it and i think it'd be so awesome well i signed up for a class oh nice the thing to make me oh that's that's really great congratulations man that's that's really huge yeah yeah you got a great you got a great comedic sensibility and and voice so um yeah for me uh something that i've done that i was bad at uh recently i took this writing class and it was about uh in it was like writing forms of writing that i don't typically write you know so it's like I'll write comedic stuff, but in this class, that's not really was it what it was about. You know, it's about like mm. uh, you know prose or like using poetic language or you know whatever whatever else or like getting um, yeah, just trying to get at the core of things through writing. And it improved as the class went on, but I definitely did not. Like it, it was out of my comfort zone for sure, and uh, right. it it was not comfortable. And there's sometimes when it felt bad, but it's like never at any point did I ever feel bad that I did it. I'm like, oh, this is hard, and I don't like this is it moments, and this is very frustrating. But I'm like, oh, I can feel myself being out of my comfort zone, and it is definitely helpful creatively to be in that spot. But it can be frustrating because it's like you know what you want to do, but it's like I can't do that yet you know mm, and and yeah. and uh and yeah so it's, it's it's one of those weird things where it's like it's not like fun but but it's definitely gratifying at the end if that makes sense right i think yeah i think that's the thing about being an artist too like in general mm-hmm. it's like you can develop a taste for things you're not good at and then when you start to do those things you can 
recognize yourself not re- reaching your taste. Mm. And you're like, yeah. I know what's good, but I have no idea how to execute in that way. But Mark, what what was the thing that like pushed you? Like you're like, oh, I want to take this class, even though this might not be something. I'm yeah, gonna- yeah. So the class was uh, I had taken one class. It was a virtual class. And I forget exactly what it was called, but it was like finding your own voice. And I took that class and it was good. But I'm like, you know what? Let me try and do this class again and try and push myself a little bit more. And it was a similar class called like raw writing. And there were, I'm trying to be careful not to like share the class itself, if that makes sense, because other people were in the class. But basically like they'd give you assignments where you would be encouraged to be vulnerable. And it's not like sharing your diary per se, but like using writing and prose as a way to like be open and honest. And I think, and I don't know, I mean, like, I don't really know what specifically was challenging for me, but it's like, I think that from doing comedy a lot, you can kind of like dodge and hide behind a lot of things. So there were moments when I thought I was being open or honest or vulnerable, but I wasn't as much, you know, and they're like, Mm. you know, like keep trying to go further. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know that was challenging, but I'm like, oh, okay. So uh, that was great. It was great to kind of like have that moment of like le- learning that so that's what well and and there's a scientific case for this too as the article goes on to say is you doing that mark and and freddie you doing stand-up means that y'all have a reduced risk of dementia as you get older because struggling or even failing is one of the most effective ways to overcome fear and boost creativity and keep our mind working um and and keep our neurons processing um, it, and teach doing things that we're bad at teaches us to stay humble. You know, it teaches us to laugh at ourselves, and it's also really good for peace of mind. This is from uh, therapist Amy Deramus, who says, "When you refuse to do anything you're not great at, what you're telling yourself is you're only okay if you're perfect, and that's going to lead to a lot of pain in life." And you know, recently I have friends that do bouldering at a gym nearby my house, and so I took a class and I went and I was terrible at it. (laughs) I was like, I'm, I didn't, I don't want to do this. And so I decided to instead to start biking and I've been biking more and that's been really, really fun. And I don't know what the moral of the story is beyond that, (laughs) you know, in this, in the uh, several weeks that I've been biking, I felt my body grow stronger. I felt myself get less and less tired as I'm doing these rides and it's really encouraging and nice. And I, I, I realized that maybe someday I'll try rock climbing again. But, uh, uh, you know, I found a different challenge. It was like that one challenge was maybe a little bit too high. So I started a little bit lower. So, hey, if you can't rock climb, maybe climb a ladder and then, uh, and then get to the rocks. <laughs> I, think, I, I think there is something, too, to like trying out something and realizing you don't like it. Like <laughs> just because you, you like you. I mean, right. not that you don't like bouldering, <laughs> but like, yeah, maybe if you try something and you like, I'm not good at it and I'm not having fun not being good at it. Maybe that's not for, like, you know, right. you don't have to, you don't have to do everything. Right. And so there, there is like, I, I think trying is the moral of the story. Yeah. Like, you don't know if you don't, if you like it until you try. And if you think you might like it, then try it. And if you don't like it, you just did it. And you should try biking with Bill. <laughs> Come on, y'all. Let's find it. Let's do a group ride. We'll be right back with more ridiculous news after this short break. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. 
Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. All right, y'all, and we're back. And this is an article out of AP News. Uh, our wonderful researcher Casey found this, and this was a this was a kind of like out of a horror movie, kind of. So the headline is: <laughs> A Japanese city alarmed by biting, clawing, and attacking monkeys. Uh, there are people in a southwestern Japanese city that have come under attack from monkeys that are trying to snatch babies, biting and clawing at flesh and sneaking into nursery schools. And so since July 8th, there have been 58 people who've been attacked. And things are getting really bad that Yamaguchi City Hall hired a special unit to hunt the animals with tranquilizer guns. And Can I just point out that this is such a Japanese... I, I, I don't think they have as many guns, but in America, you know, they were like just handing out just actual AR. <laughs> Take out these monkeys. We got It's monkey season. <laughs> On Japan, they're trank, they're tranking, and probably like giving them like a, a nice life somewhere else. Uh, anyway, sorry, Mark. No, no, it's all good. And uh, what's also interesting about this is the monkeys aren't interested in food, so traps have not worked, and they've targeted mostly children and the elderly. <laughs> and there's a quote saying that they are so smart, and they tend to sneak up and attack from behind often grabbing at your legs, as city official uh, Masato Saito said uh, in, recently. And no one seems to know why the attacks had occurred and where exactly the troop of monkeys came from still remains unclear at the time of this article. And I was just like, man, that's wild to me. So. Planet of the Age. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> There's one I can, I can tell you where yeah. it came from. <laughs> came from a lab. And these are they can't talk yet, but uh they know the weakest in society. Well, I mean, not always. The children can and elderly can be pretty strong, but like I mean, they have a strategy. And uh it's like why they snatch babies. Can you imagine? That's horrifying. Snatching yeah. your baby. Yeah. Oh. Sneaking into nursery schools so, so they can learn. <laughs> I mean, it's, hiding undercover as toddlers. Yeah, or just like imagine just like walking and then something grabs the back of your leg and starts like scratching oh, it. You know what I mean? Like claws. Yeah. Yes. That would be terrifying. What do you do? How do you okay, feel? Okay, okay, here's that's yeah. a good question. Yeah. Question. <laughs> well, Freddie, like before we jump into what you're supposed to do, what would, what's your gut reaction, Freddie? You hear you 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 see an aggressive monkey nearby. Uh, what's your gut tell you you need to do? All right, so I'm walking back home. Uh, it's dusk. Mm-hmm. It's not dark, mm-hmm. but I, I can still... Uh, but, you know... There's some bats out. flying. You hear some screeches. I, I, yeah. I have some nice street food I'm munching on. <laughs> and I'm walking, unassuming, in my shorts, because, you know, it's shorts weather. Mm-hmm. And I feel on my calf uh, the fleshy, hairy hand... I don't know what it is. I turn around, I see it's a monkey. And I'm like, oh, this monkey wants food. I throw some of my food towards mm. it. It shakes its head no. Oh, no. I am now at Mortal Kombat with this monkey. And um, I think I don't think, uh, I haven't taken much martial arts, but the kind of have are usually with people at a similar stature. So I have no idea. Am I, if I'm going low or going high, I think I'm bested by this monkey in this scenario. <laughs> and, you know, uh, and I think that's, I think that's just how it would be. I, if I get a hold of the monkey, maybe I could throw it, but I, I doubt this monkey has to be dexterous mm-hmm. in a way that I can't comprehend. <laughs> um, and so I, I'm, I'm pleading and I'm, you know, I'm, giving up fealty. I'm like, I'll tell you the secrets of the human race. Just let me live. <laughs> Not loyal. Um, I'm sorry if anyone uh, 
is offended by me betraying humanity. But you know, I'm 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 in for the winning team. We only got so many years on this earth. Yeah, we're gonna be taken out. I'm I'm gonna join the winning side. So, so you're joining the monkey takeover. If they have, <laughs> okay, got it. And, and uh, like you know, it seems like they have no use for me. But um, I don't think I'm, I'm. What I'm saying is, I don't think I'm fighting and winning against this monkey. And if I do, I think there's two monkeys in their place, and so on and so forth. So <laughs> it kind of feels never. So, ever. so I think you know, just like we talked about in the last segment, you know, I think uh, Freddie's earned a certain amount of humbleness. I'm, I'm glad that your verdict is that you would like lay down your life. <laughs> Die. You've accepted, like, you're like, I can't. Well, I'm it. learning what I'm not good at, and it's fighting monkeys. <laughs> and I'm learning that I don't like it, so I'm going to stop. Even in, yeah, everything ties together. Even in so. a threat. Well, here's the official instructions from the uh, Japanese official who said, okay, it, when confronted by a monkey, step one, don't. <laughs> Don't look don't look them in the eye. Avoid eye contact. Step two, make yourself look as big as possible. Step three, uh, well, that could be step two be by spreading open your coat if you happen to be wearing a coat. Uh, just make yourself large. And then three, back away as quietly as possible without making any sudden moves. That's apparently the one, two, three for surviving. I just love the opening phrase to any instruction when confronting a monkey. <laughs> and that it has to be done. I, I mean, because we had like, uh, I, I watched this video a couple of weeks ago about, have y'all been hearing about like how many places are getting not, not overrun, but kind of overrun by boars, no. uh-uh, like no. wild boars, like uh, a few cities. I obviously I can't remember um, what they are, but like boar, like, Boars are kind of, especially with the COVID-19 pandemic, like with people staying inside, boars are kind of taken, like, it's kind of become a fact of life. Like, we got to just deal with these boars. Like, we can't really eradicate them. And like, I don't know, man. I'm getting to this place where who was here first? (laughs) Who called dibs? And like... I, I don't. I'm. I'm having a bad argument of us being uh, of us trying to keep them out. Uh, Freddie, you're just come on the human race. <laughs> you have just given up so much. You know, I know. I mean, I, what I'm saying is they were like every the boars and the monkeys. They were all sharing this wonderful <laughs> land of ours, and we told them, "No, we're going to have a McDonald's, and you can't be here." And I think that's the first time in natural history that that's happened. I mean, people are territorial, but like we've we've created places that are uninhabitable by them. Sure. And you know, when they run out of space, do we learn to live with it? Learned. Oh, also, I learned in that same video that uh, boars were a commonplace in in New York City for a long time. Wow. And as as the city developed, the um, they were actually a reliable food source for poorer people. So poor people that lived in the city oh, wow. appreciated the boars being around because they could, you know, get food that yeah, way. Interesting. But as uh, there became a, a richer class in New York City and it built up, the richer people had them eradicated from city, oh, much to the chagrin of the poorer people. Um, they were fine with the, used to have street boars and that's something I did not know that. That's amazing. Yeah. And also like what a good way to help feed people that need the food, you know, collect the boars right. as a, as opposed to, you know, handing someone a, a water or some cash, you could give them like a spear or like, you know, a, a dart gun or, you know, maybe you give a man a pork chop, you feed him for a day. <laughs> a man to confront a boar on the wild streets of New York City. When confronting a boar, stuff him for his left eye. Yeah. <laughs> well, this this uh, final story we have is about um, an artist who's asking for $6,200 for a pickle from a McDonald's burger that was stuck on a ceiling. Um, that's right. The Michael Lett Gallery in Auckland, New Zealand is hosting an exhibition. And one of the pieces comes from Australian artist... Matthew Griffin, 
and it's likely something you've seen before. It's a pickle slice that's been taken from a McDonald's cheeseburger, flung onto the ceiling of the gallery, and it's sticking onto the ceiling with nothing other than the cheeseburger sauce. Uh, it's simply called pickle, and the sculpture is going for ten thousand New Zealand dollars, or roughly sixty-two eighty in U.S. dollars. Which you know, maybe we should visit New Zealand. I can't tell. Is that a good or bad transfer? I don't know. Um, it, it's it's a it's an interesting piece of art. It's art is what you make it. The um, uh, the director of fine arts in Sydney said, you know, a humorous response to the work is not invalid. It's okay because it is funny. <laughs> uh, but I'm glad that we need an art professor's permission to laugh. It's okay, children. You may chuckle. Please, you yeah. may chuckle. It is indeed humorous. Well, just don't look the monkey in the eye. Um, generally speaking... My first question is how many tries? Uh, yes. Yeah, that's a really good point because it's, it's stuck up there naturally. Um, it doesn't say, uh, but it does say that you know, generally speaking, the artists aren't the ones deciding whether something is art or not. They're the ones who make and do things. Whether something is valuable and meaningful as artwork is the way that we collectively, as a society, choose to use it or talk about it. Which is interesting. I don't know. I've had some stuff that I thought was art. <laughs> yeah. Come on, buy this art. And then it wasn't very valuable. So, But I guess that's just me as an individual as opposed to the collective society deciding that it's valuable and worth it. Yeah, I think that is interesting. And it's a funny way to jumpstart that conversation by throwing a pickle at the ceiling. I just watched this video um, about uh, the subjectivity of art. Hmm. And uh, this person had a really interesting conclusion that art is actually, like, art is relative, but the relativity about it is kind of the objectivity of it. So the art response in our brains is what makes it art. It's not either the object or our actual interpretation of it. It's the it's the reaction of the two coming together, mm, huh. if that makes any sense. So, oh. so th they, they gave this example of there, there was this woman in the, um, I want to say 50s and mm -hmm. 60s that um, just took a bunch of pictures in Chicago because she... Uh, like to take pictures and she had like thousands of rolls of undeveloped film and uh, she wasn't an uh, quote unquote artist. So she um, just had them kind of store away and then she sadly passed away. And there was this guy who was investigating Chicago history and by chance he buys this uh, storage container with all these rolls of film in it and um, gets them developed and they're, they're striking. I saw this story too. Yeah. And they're beautiful, amazing photos. And uh, yeah, just these images that weren't even developed. And, you know, it's funny. This reminds me, and this is kind of a sad story, but my grandfather, and I've lost all my grandparents at this point in my life, but my grandfather, I used to spend summers with them and Montana and uh, they lived on the side of a mountain and they moved down and they were getting older they had steps in the helm so they're going moving from a multiple story house to a single story house and as a kid it was my job to help them pack up and and declutter and all of that and my grandfather had boxes and boxes and boxes of slides of photography that he did and they were flowers and all this beautiful landscapes he was a big he was a big into the earth he was a geologist and loved camping and going out and he said just throw it away and i even as a as a young teenager it like hurt my heart i was mm -hmm. like you spent you know decades collecting all these photos he says ah no one cares just throw them away oh and I, so I, I, I had to, I, I did, yeah. but you know what I ended up doing, and I don't know what this says, is, is he also had photos of people in there too. And I kept all the photos of the people and I don't want to crap on Mother Earth, but I thought, hey, if there's ever something where someone wants to, you know, remember their aunt or their, whoever these people were in these photos. Now, I'm not sure where that stuff is now, but you know, maybe that's coming back to, I, I wonder if my grandfather, you know, recognized that he got good at something, you know, he was, cause clearly he did over the years. Some of those photos were great. Um, and it's, it's, it's interesting how sometimes that talent 
you know, if you're going to do something, maybe, maybe share it a little bit because you might make someone else's day or, you know, entire city in the case of Chicago, uh, as day a little bit brighter. Definitely. Well, Bill, I, I appreciate that story, man. That's really great. And I figure now it's probably as good a time as any to move on to our segment called Spring of Inspiring Inspirations, uh, where we share an inspirational quote uh, to wrap things up and set, end things on a uh, positive note. So this quote for today comes from Isabel Flesh, and uh, I felt like it tied into the Axios article we were talking about earlier about you know engaging in things that you may not be great at right away. And so the quote is as follows. Um, your passion is waiting for your courage to catch up. Amen. So that, go out and do stand-up, Freddie. That's what that says. <laughs> <laughs> keep meditating, Bill. <laughs> I'll keep uh, taking those writing classes. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Well, Freddie, before we go, oh, uh, yeah. you know, thank you so much for coming on the show. We loved having you. And for our audience, is there anywhere where they can follow you or anything that you want to plug? Support local theater wherever you are. But if you happen to be in Atlanta, uh, definitely come out to Dad's Garage Theater and uh, check me out. And uh, there's a bunch of uh, comedy going on around town. So I I hope to be in it. So wherever you go, just, you know, just cast a wide net and you'll run into me. (laughs) Yeah, check out Freddie at Dad's or anywhere around town. He's a wonderful person. If you run into him, just don't grab him by the ankle because he might not be sure. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> apparently submit and <laughs> do your bidding. So so maybe you do want to grab him by the ankle. But, uh, you know, as as always, thank you so much for tuning into Ridiculous News. We love having y'all listening. It means the world to us. And we hope that you will join us again on another episode. Yeah, and you can email us at ridiculousnews at iheartmedia.com and on Facebook and IG, follow Ridiculous News and you can check out our comedy videos at Mark Kendall Comedy. Bye, all See ya. Ridiculous News is hosted by Mark Kendall and Bill Worley. Executive producers are Ben Bolin and Noel Brown. Produced and edited by Tari Harrison. Research provided by Casey Willis. And theme music by Four Eyes and Dr. Delight. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very slow. all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. (laughs) Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.